Hey guys, this is Drake. Thanks so much for tuning in to our City Church podcast here. It's an honor to have you. Hey, at the end of this episode, we'd love for you to take a moment, subscribe to this podcast channel if you haven't already. Also subscribe to our YouTube channel so we can continue to serve you with content that we're putting out on a weekly basis. And in addition, if we can serve you in any way or connect with you in community in any way, you can visit our website at citychurchboulder.com and we would love to connect with you there. And lastly and most importantly, I hope this content is helpful to you. It's encouraging, it's inspiring, and you leave better than you showed up. Enjoy. Hey guys, welcome to City Church Online. I am so glad you're tuning in with us. My name is Drake, and it's an honor to have you. And really quick, happy Father's Day. Happy Father's Day to all you dads out there. Man, we're so grateful. We love to honor dads and are grateful for the influence of dads and all they bring to the table. So way to go, Dads, and if you you might if you haven't already, make sure you make those phone calls and text messages. If you have someone to text, uh, maybe today is an opportunity to remember. But let's take a moment right now, just in the chat, whether you're on Facebook Live or on our online platform, and in that chat, why don't you just tell us really quick what is your what is your opinion of your favorite quality or the best quality of a good dad? What do you think the best quality of a good dad? Would be. Would you post that in the comments? Let us know that you're there. Again, listen, we're here for you. We love you and we love to hear from you. So please take some time and engage with us no matter where you're tuning in. Also, you can share that event on Facebook or use the invite button on the church online platform to invite people to watch with you as we gather together. Listen, I realize this season is hard and and you're probably relationally distanced, but I want to encourage you. It's so important that we stay tuned in together, and it's an honor that we get to do this, and so, man, I hope that you're showing up with notes in hand, got a notebook and a pen ready, ready to experience what God has for us, and I realize we're tuning in on different spiritual journeys together today, and so no matter where you're walking in, this is a place where you're loved, where you're safe, and where you're welcome, and so whether you've been following Jesus for a long time, or you're a brand new follower of Jesus, or you're not sure what you believe or where you stand today, I want you to know we're so glad you're here, and we're so excited to walk with you. On this journey. Now, a couple of things as we get into it, a couple of things coming up I just want to celebrate. We have a drive in movie coming up this weekend. Woo! Man, we love to do this. It's such a cool thing we get to offer in this season. And we're really pumped on Friday night to offer an adult movie night with the movie, a little bit of a thriller and scary movie, A Quiet Place. And so I don't know what it's like to watch a scary movie in your car in the dark at night, but I'm excited to check it out. And so don't bring your kids, but do show up on Friday night, the 26th. And then on the 27th, we have another family movie night coming up where we're going to do a throwback of The Emperor's New Groove. And so it's going to be a lot of fun. We'll have snacks available, some local food trucks that you can come and check out. We'd love for you to use those Facebook invites and let your friends, family, neighbors know about it. It's going to be a ton of fun, and we can't wait to see you there. Even though we can't gather in public, public right now in this season. We can still do things as a community and serve our community together. Uh, a couple of things that have been coming up lately, um, our, our people are asking, and, and it's rightfully so, like what's the plan with opening up uh, back in phases, if you will, like when is City Church going to be open to the public? And that's a great question, and we still don't have a solid answer as we're watching everything unfold just like you. And the season is unknown, and, and as so I, I just want to, I want to remind you that our highest priority is safety. Safety for you, safety for the most vulnerable in our community, and so we want to make sure we're taking care of that and, and making decisions that reflect that. And then our primary focus is still our mission, that we're going to stay 
focused on safety and our mission simultaneously. And so we don't have direct answers for you right now, but they are coming out soon. And so I want to encourage you, you can check out all of the updates on our social media platforms. This is our handle for Facebook and Instagram, and all of those things are going to be coming out through those platforms. You can also use that connection card and uh, uh, give us your information and join our Slack line, and we can also communicate it that way. So just want to know there's way, want you to know there's ways for you to stay up to date on the plan of reopening as we go into the summer and we pay attention to what's going on in the world around us. And lastly, in the meantime, because we don't have a great answer just yet for what it looks like to regather in person, in this season, we're kind of piloting some new ideas of what we're calling City Church House Campuses, City Church House Campuses. And uh, this is an opportunity, maybe, you know, you're connected to a city group or you're not ready to get into a city group and, you, you know, you're, you're wanting community, you're needing that experience. Um, we have some people who are going to be hosting these little house campuses of people, groups 10 and under, if you will, on a Sunday morning. It's essentially what we do on a Sunday morning experience, but in a home. And so just imagine putting those pieces together, gathering on someone's couch, watching the service together, singing together. If they're a good host, maybe they're going to make you some waffles and some good coffee. But if you're interested in, in being a part of a house campus, or if you're interested in starting a city church house campus, you can text the word HOUSE to the number on the screen, and we would love to get you more information on how to get connected there in the season when we're not allowed to be back in our building. Okay, so um, as we get into it today, we've been in this series called Colossians, and the big idea is that, that we're looking at a big Jesus for life's big problems. Not that we need to make Jesus bigger than he already is, but rather we just need to remember or, or rather realize, if we didn't know it already, how big Jesus is and what he brings to the table when it comes to dealing with life's big issues. And so today the conversation is going to focus around suffering, it's going to focus around uh, um, loving your neighbor, and it's really going to focus on living out this, this love your neighbor dynamic in, in what I'm going to call the messy middle. Everybody say the messy middle, the messy middle. And so this might be, I don't, I don't know where you're tuning in, but this might be one of those conversations where um, you, you don't really want to have it, but you need to have it. Are you with me? And so you might have tuned in and, and now you're like, oh, what does that mean? But I promise it's going to be helpful no matter where you're tuning in. It's going to be really, really helpful, but it's also one of those conversations that needs to be had. And so we're going to be in Colossians chapter 1. And the, the point, I'm going to give you a couple of things, but I'm going to give you four thoughts, if you will, on living in the messy middle that I'll give context to in a few minutes. But four thoughts on living in the messy middle. And the first one is this, that suffering is complicated. Can everybody say complicated? It's complicated. Suffering is complicated. And I don't know where you're tuning in, right? Maybe you're experiencing suffering as an individual right now. Maybe your family's, family is experiencing suffering. Maybe you're watching uh, the suffering of others from the outside. I don't know where your experiences is, but odds are you're either suffering, have suffered, or will suffer. And so this is a pretty normal conversation that we need to have. And, and let me just show you, kind of kicking off the verse, Paul is moving into, still in the first chapter of Colossians, but um, Paul is a Christian writing from prison to a church that he's never been to in person, and he's in prison because he's a follower of Jesus. He's suffering because he's a follower of Jesus. This guy has gone through immense, immense suffering. You can read it in some of his other letters, just some of the crazy things that have happened to him and, and the suffering that he's uh, endured as a result of being a follower of Jesus and a leader of the early church. And so from prison, he writes, hey guys, I'm glad when I suffer for you in my body. I'm glad when I suffer. And, and I don't know about you, but when I read that, I hear, 
Seriously, like, are you one of those guys? Because immediately, like, you're glad when you suffer. Really, like, is that, is that a Jesus juke? Are you one of those guys, like, like, that gets hit by a car and this is, oh, praise God. And you're like, dude, you just, get, you just got hit by a car. Are you okay? Well, at least it wasn't a truck. Like, dude, something's wrong with you, right? Like, you just got hit by a car. And so immediately, it sounds like Paul's, like, the tongue-in-cheek, like, oh, praise God, I'm suffering. And, and I don't know about you, but that throws a flag for me. I'm like, okay, come on. Really, I, we, we know it's not that easy. And so um, what I want you to see here is, is that he's not, he's not being tongue-in-cheek but rather he's acknowledging that he's suffering and also just bringing about the reality that he has joy simultaneously. And I don't know about you, um, but all of the songs that we listen to and a lot of the life we live, we tend to think of life in, in kind of mountains and valleys. And so we have highs and lows, if you will, and, and we typically remember life in, in those types of seasons. And so sometimes what happens is we associate seasons with mountaintops or valleys, like it was either a great one and it was joyful or it was suffering. But I think if you took a step back and you evaluated your life and your experiences, both what you're in right now and where you're going and where, where you've been, uh, you'll notice that joy and suffering are typically present at the same time. And so rather than uh, um, mountaintops and valleys, which I understand wh- why we love that language, um, but I'd like us to think today of, of this dichotomy, if you will, of, of joy and suffering as being like two train tracks, right? Like, like at the same time, y- you go through seasons of life, but they're not really like seasons of suffering and then joy, but rather every season has kind of a simultaneous, not good or bad, but both and experience that you and I walk through. And typically what happens is one tends to get more attention over the other, joy or suffering based on your personality or, or, or uh, what you're going through. And I'm kind of like a, a glass half full kind of guy. <laughs> and so I tend to like diminish suffering and avoid it and ignore it and try to elevate my experiences. And that's just kind of how I tend to operate. And so I, I might give attention to one track over the other. But as we get into this conversation, I just want you to think about like your perceptions of suffering and what it looks like uh, to walk through suffering. And so maybe here's the question that you and I can wrestle with today. What do I do with my suffering if, if I'm the one suffering? And what do I do with the suffering of others? What do I do with my suffering? And what do I do with the suffering of others? And, and I want you to think about it. Suffering comes in all kinds of different shapes and sizes, right? So sometimes it's happening simultaneously to all of us, meaning you know, we're, we're feeling what each other feels. I feel what you feel, and, and, and you feel what I feel, and we're walking through this suffering together. Uh, for example, like 9-11. 9-11 will be a good example of our nation suffering together, people feeling the same things, or maybe uh, uh, the death of a loved one. I want you to think about, like, you know, right, you're walking through the emotions and the suffering with other close family members as you grieve and mourn lost. That's when we're walking through suffering together. But sometimes... Uh, you're experiencing something that, that I've never gone through. And so sometimes I'm watching someone else suffer, and because I've never suffered through what they're going through, I'm having a hard time walking in it with them. I'm having a hard time feeling what they feel. I'm having a hard time maybe even understanding or empathizing with them. Uh, sometimes uh, um, I'll see that you're experiencing suffering in a way that I, I experienced suffering maybe in my past. And so all of a sudden, because, because I experienced this in my past, I find it really easy to empathize with you that like because of what I went through now I can actually walk with you through it I can sit with you in it I can feel what you feel because I felt it or vice versa does this make sense like we we watch suffering happen in different ways or sometimes and this is where man I, I I'm not great at it okay so sometimes I I can perceive your suffering as small and insignificant and and out of my pride out of my ignorance I can discredit 
your experience and suffering altogether because either I don't understand it or I've never experienced it. And, and this can be applied to a lot of areas, but, but sometimes because we don't feel immediately what someone else feels or because we don't have those experiences, we write it off. And it really hurts people when we do that. Or sometimes, I'm going through something and I'm suffering and, and I become the center of, of my universe. And it's not, not, to say this, not to take away from suffering, not to take away from the weight of it and what it does to us, but all of the focus when I'm suffering turns to help me and comfort me and serve me and sit with me and feel with me and encourage me. And so, so I don't know where you're at. I'm, I'm just trying to help you understand, right? Suffering happens for all kinds of different reasons. Sometimes it's our fault. Sometimes it happens and we had nothing to do with it. Probably more times than not, we end up suffering and we had no say in whether or not we, we experienced that or not. And so this is a really heavy topic. And so if you're in the middle of suffering, I want you to know, listen, we love you. We're here for you. We want to pray for you. We want to walk with you in it. If you know someone who's suffering, we want to equip you with the tools to walk alongside them. If you need to grow in empathy and love, Welcome to the club. We all need that, and that's what we're going to deal with today. And so, can we just say it again real fast? Suffering is complicated. Everybody say, it's complicated. It's complicated, okay? And so we're going to deal with that a little bit today, but watch what Paul does as he continues on in this passage. He says, um, hey, I, you know, I'm glad when I suffer for you in my body. He, again, he's kind of showing them that he's both suffering and joyful at the same time. We're going to see the source of that joy in a little bit. And he goes on, he says, because I'm participating in the sufferings of Christ that continue for his body, the church. Now, this is out of the NLT, and one of the reasons that I love to walk through the Bible, just so you know, if you're new to City Church, uh, every now and then we're gonna, we'll pause and we'll like walk through a whole book of the Bible, just verse by verse, like we're doing right now. And other times we'll have more topical series that we can address specific issues or deal with very pointed items. And so right now we're in the middle of a book series, and one of the reasons I love to do that is because it makes us wrestle with what's in front of us. Now, I don't know about you, but have you ever been reading the Bible and you just kind of go, Huh? Right? Like, you ever had one of those moments you're like, huh? What does that mean? Right? Well, if you're like me, it's easier just to kind of ignore that and keep reading. Right? Well, because I'm teaching, I'm not allowed to do that. And so now we've got to sit here and wrestle with it. And one of the goals is that we're learning how to read the Bible together and apply it together and, and some of the right and wrong principles, if you will. Um, all of you probably have, have stories and experiences of, of someone misinterpreting or abusing the Bible. And, and so these are the tools that help us kind of avoid that. And so what I want you to see here is a little better translation from the Greek language is going to be from the ESV. And just so you know, um, I, I use a lot of translations to study from, and I compare a lot of them. And because we're translating from Greek to English, there's typically some variance in work that we have to do. Um, and so it's okay if you don't know how to read Greek, but you have lots of translations to be able to compare text, okay? And so ESV is one that I use a lot. That's what I put here at the bottom for you. And I want you to see the difference of the two languages. So here, Paul says, hey, I'm glad when I suffer for you in my body. And then he goes on to say why. And then here he says, hey, I'm glad when I suffer for you. And I fill up in my flesh what is still lacking in regard to Christ's afflictions. For the sake of his body, which is the church. Now, I realize he's using some heavy language, and if you're new to this, then just hang tight with me. What it sounds like is Paul is, Paul is it sounds like Paul's saying that something's missing, right? Like, like, like what Jesus did wasn't enough. And, it, and if you've been a follower of Jesus for any amount of time, that should immediately raise a flag, right? You're like, okay, wait a minute. I thought what Jesus did was enough. But now I'm reading something, what is still lacking? 
Now, what does that mean? And I appreciate the NLT. They're doing their best to, trans- to make sense of this, which is where you get kind of this outcome. Um, and, I, and I think it's a good one. But I want to sit with this just for a moment of still lacking and deal with it. And so here's the question. How do we deal with things that are kind of obscure in the text? You're going to run into it a lot, right? You start reading the New Testament, you're going to have a bunch of, huh? Or what? You're going to have those moments. And so what do you do with it? Well, here's a principle I'm going to give you. You can write it down. We, we interpret obscure passages like this one, unclear ones, with what is clear, with things that are clear and apparent. For example, uh, we know consistently, especially from Paul, who wrote other letters, that it's Jesus plus nothing. All the time, it's Jesus plus nothing. Jesus isn't lacking anything. It's Jesus plus nothing because Jesus plus something ruins everything, okay? Paul, over and over again, hammers this point. It's Jesus plus nothing. So we immediately have to assume, well, he can't mean that Jesus is lacking, like Jesus wasn't enough, like you need to go, you know, Jesus is great, but then you need to, you know, go to church and give some money and be a good person and go to Mecca, and I'm just making stuff up now, but right, you know what I mean, like, like it, it's, it, it's got to mean something else, and so I want, I want to give you an example, my kids, uh, man, I love my kids, I got a two and a four-year-old, and uh, I tell them I love them all the time, and I kiss them, and I show them affection with, with my actions constantly, and my hope is that if I say or do something in the future, which I probably will, for the record, if I ever say or do something that, that communicates a lack of love for them, if, if ever my love for them is unclear in the way that I said something or did something, my hope is that they would interpret those words or those actions in light of the bigger, more consistent reality of their love from their dad. Does that make sense? So they can look at it and say, okay, Dad probably didn't mean it, or, or they, they could say, you know, Dad consistently, Dad definitely loves us, and so they can interpret the more obscure actions with the bigger consistent reality. The same thing is true here, that we can interpret this passage with a bigger consistent reality. And so just, just to be very, very clear, um, it's Jesus plus nothing. Jesus is absolutely enough, and if you're new to faith, listen, Jesus was the Son of God, and he lived a perfect life like you and I can't live. He died the death that you and I deserve. He was raised from the grave three days later, and we have tons of historical documents that that point back to that reality, and Jesus being God and dying for our sin and raising again was 100% enough to make us right with God. We don't earn it. We don't maintain it. We simply receive the love of God that Jesus paid for us. Us. And so Paul is going to hammer that over and over again, and so we have to know that that's not what's being uh, uh, construed here. Now, I know that's a lot, but I need you to understand it's not good works, it's not tithing, it's not going to church, it's not logging, you know, X amount of days in your Bible reading plan, it's not serving, it's not what Bible translation you use, it's not what you do, it's not what you don't do that makes you right with God. It's Jesus. It's just Jesus. It's always Jesus. It's always going to be Jesus. It's Jesus, you guys with me? Okay, I just need, just need to be really, really clear on Paul's point here. Now, um, again, have you ever mo- had that moment where you're like, huh? Like, like what, what is he talking about? Well, just for the record, you're not the only one. Same. And there's actually another book in the Bible, 2 Peter. Peter was one of, closest Jesus follow- uh, cl- one of Jesus' closest followers. And he actually wrote, hey, Sometimes it's hard to understand Paul. Have you ever had one of those friends that you're talking to that are just super smart, like have more degrees than Fahrenheit, and they're just like way smarter than you, right? And they're talking, and you're just nodding your head, and the whole time in the back of your mind, you're like, I have no idea 
what they're talking about, right? I think that's how we read Paul sometimes. Sometimes he's just like way smarter than us, and it's okay that we don't understand. So let me give you some thoughts on, on suffering and some thoughts on this text as we move forward. First of all, don't be shocked. If you're taking notes, you need to write these down. Don't be shocked if you read something in the Bible and disagree with it, okay? You guys with me? Don't be shocked if you read something and disagree with it, right? If you're having a hard time saying, okay, God wrote a book, and, and amazingly, he agrees with me on everything that I have ever thought, <laughs> right? Like, I just want you to realize, like, okay, you know, you went to college, and you weren't shocked that your, your professors didn't agree with you on everything. And so in the same way, I'm not shocked when God doesn't agree with me on everything. So just a little bit of a side note. Um, and, and for the record, a, a, a section like we're in today on suffering is confusing, probably because suffering is confusing, okay? Are you with me? And so just, just handle it with grace and walk through it and recognizes that, that you can re- wrestle with hard stuff and, and it's going to be okay. Now, a, a, as I continue in this conversation, I want you to understand Jesus loves us so much that, that when we suffer, he suffers. And I want to teach you what it looks like to stand in the messy middle for a minute. I want to teach you what it looks like to stand in the messy middle. And um, I'm going I'm to bring these chairs in, so pardon me as I step out of the screen. But... Um, you know, there's some tension um, in our culture right now, and uh, if you're unaware of it, then you've been living in a hole, and so I'm hoping that you can uh, pay attention to everything that's going on, and, and, and if you're like me, you're, you're trying to understand what's the appropriate way to respond. What I need you to understand about Jesus is that he consistently embraced the messy middle, and one of the reasons we know that is, is because when we suffer, Jesus suffers. And when someone else suffers, Jesus suffers with them. And Paul would be incredibly familiar with that because before Paul was a Jesus follower, he was someone who was causing great suffering to Jesus followers. And as he was killing Christians and imprisoning Christians, Jesus shows up and he says to Paul, why are you persecuting me? Now Paul had never met Jesus. Paul had never said a word to Jesus. Paul had never directly persecuted Jesus. So what do you think it means? That when we suffer, Jesus suffers. He sits in, us, sits in that with us. And, and I want you to know, man, the love of God is incredible. That if you're not a follower of Jesus, you're invited to receive the love of God. That he feels what you feel and he sits in it with you and he walks through it with you. But we're not only invited to receive that love. But as Jesus followers, we are called to extend it. And so there's a heavy dialogue in our nation right now. Um, There's a lot of action in our nation right now. There's there's a movement, if you will, around race and equality. And we need to pay attention to it. And one of the biggest challenges right now, I I don't don't know how you feel, but this is just my perception. One of the biggest challenges is that I, I feel like we're constantly being pushed to pick sides. And so I, I got to sit in this chair. And by default, when I sit in this chair and I agree with a statement, Black Lives Matter, then I'm immediately opposing whatever you think is sitting in this chair. And then if I move over here and I don't stand against equal, uh, uh, injustice and racial inequality, um, then it immediately makes me an opponent of the other side. And, and the problem is 
I'm being pushed to sit in one chair and demonize the other side. Um, and I don't know if you felt this tension, but you're probably intimidated by it. Uh, you're probably scared of what it means to say something, to post something, to be because, man, I don't, I don't, I'm not trying, all right, I, I love everybody, and I'm not a racist, and, and right, I don't, I don't want to pick a chair and then have someone mad at me. And I think the challenge is our world right now is presenting two chairs, and I would like to propose that there is a messy middle. And we choose to stand in the messy middle because I believe you're going to find Jesus in the messy middle. And here's what that means. That I can choose to listen to people on the other side of an argument, on the other side of conflict, on the other side of a conversation. And I can reach across this gap and regardless of what's on the table to be discussed and regardless of how high the emotions are, and regardless of how much the media is twisting the conversation and the agenda, I can reach across this gap and I can say, in you, I see the image of God. And in you, I see the image of God. And therefore, I'm going to choose love and sacrifice for you. And I'm going to choose love and sacrifice for you. And so what this means is that we stand on the side of those who are suffering. Anyone who is suffering, we stand with them. And what that means is that we stand with our black brothers and sisters who when one of their own is murdered by a cop in broad daylight in the middle of a street, we stand with them in their suffering and we can say confidently, black lives matter. Without fear of what it might mean to anyone else who doesn't represent black lives. And simultaneously, hear me, without letting go of this stance, I can stand with my brothers and sisters in law enforcement and their families when their loved ones are dying and when they are suffering. And hear me, friends, listen, if this, if this is a political issue for you, if all you can hear are politically charged statements, then I'm begging you to put that card down and press in a little deeper that maybe this isn't a political issue, that maybe this is a humanity issue, maybe this is a gospel issue, maybe this is a Jesus issue, and I believe that we must stand with Jesus. The messy middle is not a popular place to be because the world is asking us to pick a side. And the world is asking us to demonize the other. 
But Jesus consistently chose the messy middle. And it got Jesus killed. But friends, if that's where Jesus stands, then we must stand with him. And so if you need a good resource for this, because I'm not, I'm by no means an expert on this conversation, but Miles McPherson, he's the pastor of a church in San Diego. He, um, he wrote a really bo- good book called The Third Option, which is similar to what I'm talking about here, where I got some of this content. And I highly recommend you pick up this book and educate yourself and learn and grow. But one of the reasons that this conversation is so difficult, one of the reasons that it's so hard for us to enter into the suffering of others is because we're asking the wrong questions. And what we tend to do is we tend to look out and we tend to say, what does this have to do with me? What does that have to do with me? I'm I'm not a racist. I love all people and they're all made in the image of God and I'm going to stay in this safe zone, if you will. And the problem is that's the wrong question. What we need to do is we need to look up and ask the question, what does love require of me? And that, friends, changes the narrative. And that, friends, changes our response. And love gives me the ability to walk with you even when I don't understand or feel what you feel. Now, guys, this is difficult. This is, this is hard because, because if you're like me, you want to avoid suffering at all costs. But I would like to propose that a better focus is that we, we ask Jesus how to navigate suffering and what to learn from it and how to grow through it rather than to avoid it. And this is really important. Let me, let me share this with you, that your suffering does not define you. How you respond defines you. And, and might I propose this as well, that your response to the suffering of others defines you. And if you would just take a moment, and I'm sure you've heard a thousand stories like this, where you sit down with someone and you hear their story and you hear maybe something that happened to them, a, a season where they went through some suffering, and you've heard it both ways. You hear one person say, man, I went through this and it absolutely ruined my life. And I've never been able to recover, and I'm always going to be stuck in this because of what happened. And how interesting is it that you can have a similar conversation with someone who went through the exact same thing? And they would say, it made me who I am today. You see, the difference is whether or not I let my suffering define me. But rather, if I will pay attention to how I respond, I believe God has something more for you and I through it. And so the key to this is is not asking why did this happen, and if you're like me, that's what you immediately do. Suffering enters no matter what it looks like, and you say, man, why? Why am I going through this? And what what can I get, get it to stop? But a better question would be, who am I becoming through it? And so one of the reasons that I love walking through the text like we're doing is because it gets to show how big and good God is. Let me just ask a question, guys. What are the odds that in 2020 we'd be walking through the book of Colossians 
And right now in our nation's history, we'll be walking through uh, a new phase of, of dealing with racial inequality. And we just be, happen to be walking through Colossians chapter 1. We just happen to deal with the concept of suffering. You, you see how crazy this is? That we can walk through a text that's 2,000 years old and it applies to today? I just want you to see how good God is, that his word is timeless and it's relevant for you and I, which is why it's so important that you don't just tune in on a weekend and listen to someone talk about it, but you spend time with God daily because he's going to speak to you daily. And in the, at the same vein of thought, I want to I just remind you, one of the goals here at City Church, one of the things that we're constantly looking to develop is a culture of self-feeders. What that means is you don't show up on the weekends looking for me to spoon feed you a little bit of Bible to give you enough to last you through the next week or the next month, depending on how often you show up. But rather, uh, you have the ability to spend time with God on a daily basis, and you're being equipped to do that as we do this together. Does that make sense? So we have the privilege. I think uh, Lauren Gray is one of our team members, and I believe she's moving tomorrow, if I'm not mistaken. And she's moving from Boulder to uh, Maryland, and she became a Jesus follower a little over a year ago, and her story played last week, and you got to watch a little bit of her story, and she was baptized, and we celebrated all the things that God has been doing in Lauren's life. And right now, rather than grieving the loss of a wonderful teammate, man, we love Lauren, we're going to miss her deeply, she's a great friend, but man, we are so excited because, because we recognize that we're not losing Lauren, but we're sending her out. And we have confidence as we send her out that God is going to use her to share his love with the people in a new circle of influence in Maryland that you and I can't reach. It's amazing. It's amazing. And so we're going to celebrate that. And here's why we have a confidence that we can send her out. Because in the process of a year, we taught Lauren how to spend time with God on a daily basis by reading the Bible and how to, how to pray and, and uh, how to share the love of Jesus with those around her. And so now we're confident that as she goes to that place, that she has everything she needs, that she doesn't need Drake in her ear reminding her what she needs to be doing, but rather she has the Holy Spirit of God, Jesus living in her to help her on that journey. And so as we close out our time today, I, I just want you to reflect for just a moment on uh, maybe where you're tuning in. And I realize we didn't get to deal with a lot of text today, um, and that's okay. Uh, but I hope that it, that it was helpful. I hope that you recognize that as we deal with heavy conversations, um, there's an invitation first to love God and, and, and then to love people. And we're invited to love God as we love people. And that our relationship with God gives us the energy and the power and the discernment on how it is that we love people. And so I hope you receive, man, the, the invitation to walk in the messy middle, to live it out in the messy middle, that it's not easy to love people. And all you need to do is look in a mirror to know that's a reality. You are one hard person to love, aren't you? I am one hard person to love. But Jesus loved me anyway. And he loves you anyway. And he loves the people that are nothing like me anyway. And we didn't do anything to deserve it. And so then when we extend that same love and grace to others, they don't have to deserve it. But we just can't help but extend it. Because it's in us. 
And it's got to get out of us. And so let me, let me challenge you with just some things to do this week. I, I, don't, I don't know where you are in this conversation, but man, take some time. Sit down and have a conversation with someone who's not like you. Ask for some different perspectives. They don't have to be a follower of Jesus. Just sit down with them and ask them about their experience and ask them about their perceptions and just listen to someone different than you. If everyone in your circle is someone who agrees with you, then you're going to have some blind spots. We've all got them. Or or maybe you need to pick up that book, man. Pick up the third option and just lean in and listen to someone who's walked the suffering that our nation is experiencing and who offers a Christian perspective in response to it. Do the active work of learning how to love and learning how to empathize. And lastly... Every day of this week, can I challenge you with this? Every day of this week, would you get up and would you pray this one prayer? God, where, where do you want me to grow? Man, I'm, I'm not perfect. I don't have it all figured out. My love is by no means complete. Where do you want me to grow? If, 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 if you're suffering, God, where do you want me to grow through this? If you're watching someone else suffer and they're close to you, man, how how do I walk with them and how do I grow through this? Or if you're on the outside looking in and you don't have any emotional attachment to what's happening in our culture, God, how do I grow through this? How do I become more like you, Jesus? How do I become more like you in the way that I love, in the things that I say, in in the things that I think? And what I do. And friends, I believe if you and I will press in to receiving the love of God, we're going to have a much easier time extending it. And maybe for the first time today you're tuning in and you have never received the love of God. I want you to know, friends, Jesus died for you like he died for me to bridge the gap between myself and God because of my brokenness and because of your brokenness. And by trusting in Jesus today, by a simple prayer, connecting your head and your heart together, Jesus, I believe in you. I believe you died for me. I believe you rose again, and I want to follow you. If you have prayed that today for the first time, I want you to have confidence that you can have a relationship with God today. You can experience his love, you can receive his love, you can be filled with his love, and you can extend his love. And if you're a follower of Jesus, we must stand in the messy middle. God, thank you so much. I'm going to pray for you. Thank you so much, Jesus, for the time that we've had. Thank you for your word that speaks directly to every circumstance that we're walking through. Jesus, thank you so much that you feel what we feel, that you suffer with those who suffer. And I realize bigger than what's going on in our nation, or, or, or maybe not bigger, but just uh, bigger on an individual level, that there's some people who are experiencing immense suffering personally, physically, mentally, emotionally, or through close family members. And I mean, I want you to, to meet them in that space. Would you walk with them through it? Would you comfort them that they could be suffering and have joy? And would they claim that promise and that reality of your love, that you are present and you are there? 
Jesus, would you use our community, would you use the people of City Church to do the same, that we could be the tangible expressions of your love for those who are suffering, that we could stand in the messy middle when we don't feel what they feel, when we don't understand what they're going through. Would you help us to have hearts and minds and hands of empathy and to love our neighbors as ourselves? And for anybody who hasn't started a relationship with you, Jesus, today, man, would you grip their heart? Would you turn it upside down? Would you overwhelm them with your love? And would, say, would they say yes to you for the first time? It's in Jesus' name. Amen.